Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Cinco de Mayo is a big celebration in Mexico, but do you really know what the celebration is about? We're going to get the answer and see what the celebrations are like at the Paradisus Los Cabos later in the podcast. Plus, we'll chat with food and travel writer Catherine Van Brunschot about her recent article, A Culinary Walk Through Tuscany. And if you've been, you know that Tuscany, Italy is well known for its food and wine, so we'll get Catherine's take on it. But to start the podcast, we're going to learn about an organization called Yugo Travel for Change. It's a company that offers to help transform yourself and volunteer abroad to help the local culture and communities. Sounds like a great idea. So to tell us more about it is one of the co-founders of Yugo Travel for Change, Jill Valentine. Uh, Yugo, by the way, is spelled U-G-O. Hi, Jill. Hello. Good morning. I'm excited to learn about Yugo. How did it all uh, come about? Um, Well, years ago, I spent a year volunteering abroad in Uganda. Um, I had done some previous things like that before, um, but this time I came home and I was really, actually really depressed (laughs) um, following that. Um, And I then got into life coaching. I took a life coaching course to become a life coach. And through that experience, I learned a ton about myself and so much of it came from my volunteer experience abroad. And so fast forward a little bit of time, I started to really put together um, the power of coaching and volunteering abroad together as an extraordinarily powerful tool for change and transformation. Nice. Um, Yeah. And then I met my business partner who was doing something similar and we were like, okay, let's go do this together. And it was like, like on a handshake and a beer and we were like (laughs) in business together. It was fabulous. Yeah. Perfect. So now what is it about? What's uh, what is it? How is it different from other, you know, transformative, uh, you know, volunteering type of travel? Um, So it's really, what we kind of say is like, it's a program. It's not just a trip. It's actually a three-month life coaching program um, that really uses a trip abroad um, as a powerful tool within the program. So we do um, group coaching before. Um, At the beginning, we, you know, set goals and intentions. You get to know who you're going to be going on this amazing experience. And we get right into some good life coaching and self-discovery and exploration. And then we go on the trip and have this incredible um, cultural immersive experience of giving back and everything like that. And we do coaching on trip. And then biggest thing, when you come home, we continue the journey again with more coaching and um, helping people then kind of like with the what now, you know, because so Mm -hmm. many people have these profound, extraordinary experiences and changes and epiphanies. And we kind of are like, okay, like don't just, you know, come home and let that all fizzle out. Let's like seize that and, um, you know, uh, take action, make it happen. Mm-hmm. So give me an example of where you, or one of your programs of where you went and what you did uh, abroad. So um, our more re- most recent program, we um, took a group to uh, Tanzania and we spent a week in Arusha with an incredible organization called Their Women's Foundation. Um, we very much, from an international development perspective, focus on um, being of service to the community. And we always ask the, like, what do you need questions? And this wonderful woman, Maggie, said, I need a perimeter fence for a piece of land that I want to start building on and doing some great things on. And we said, awesome, we'll come and we'll help you make that fence happen. You know, funding and some manpower and we'll work alongside locals. 
Um, it was amazing. And then we climbed Kilimanjaro. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That's and not an easy it, climb from what <laughs> no, I understand. It was not. <laughs> but that's what was so transformative, like the giving back, the deep immersion in the community. It was just the most extraordinary experience. And then climbing together and seeing our team come and support each other and everything. And then from that, people are like, oh, my gosh, I have the confidence, the clarity, the courage now to do these things that I had been, you know, maybe sitting on the fence about in my life mm. or unsure about. And I've come to, you know, have deeper understanding of what's going to bring me purpose, all sorts of great stuff. So how many in a group? And is it all women? No, um, that particular trip was, um, and then a male photographer, but that particular trip was because we had partnered with an amazing um, organization called Women Living Big mm-hmm. um, to, to sort of go together to do it. Um, but no, our trips are open, and they're usually open to men and women, anyone really, and they're usually in and around 12 people. Because of the nature of the coaching, we like to keep the groups intimate and small, so there's time for real reflection, real time for sharing, connecting, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, in the uh, preparation for your trip abroad, can you do this remotely, or do you have to be yes. in a certain area of the country yes. kind of thing? No, we have had um, people from all over, um, you know, all over the, the states and across Canada join us. So we do the group coaching calls over Zoom. And then we all meet and, you know, we pick everyone up and, you know, from the airport, wherever it is, we're, you know, we're flying to Mm -hmm. and we pick everyone up and then we spend the most amazing time together and then everyone heads home and then we get to reconnect again uh, on Zoom after and we've had reunions, (laughs) you know, um, people have all come up to Toronto because that is where we're based Uh um, for great reunions and stuff because the connections are just so you know, amazing that, what's, that happened. What's the feedback group. been like? Uh, I imagine you make some lifelong friends if you're doing this yes. right, right? Oh my goodness. Um, incredible lifelong friends. And we've had people have like really major life transformations. You know, we've had, um, we had somebody who had always wanted to be actually a coach. Um, she worked more in a customer service role. And after her experience um, in our Puerto Rico program, she came back and she's like, I feel like I could do anything. We see that kind of stuff all the time that really like this changed my life this brought me a sense of community I didn't even know I was missing Um, this brought such clarity to what I could do the possibilities my potential um, you know and how I can impact the world and that's one of our biggest things is we kind of feel like we're creating change makers yeah and there's different Um, programs throughout the year right yes yes so, I mean, we have coming up um, at the end of the year, you know, a tr- uh, program um, that includes the Philippines, uh, Peru, Costa Rica. Next year, we've got about, you know, seven that'll be taking place throughout the year. Well, I guess you can find more information on YouGoTravelForChange.com. That's the website. And Jill Valentine is the co-founder of YouGoTravel, and she is a transformative travel coach. So it was a pleasure chatting with you, Jill. You too, Randy. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure.
Well, I've been to Mexico many, many times, but I've never had the opportunity to be there to celebrate Cinco de Mayo. It's a pretty big celebration, so I was curious to see what the celebrations are like. So we're going to head to Los Cabos and check in with the general manager of the Paradisus Los Cabos to see what's planned for Cinco de Mayo. Her name is Teresa Alfonso. Hi, Teresa. Hello, Randy, and thank you for having me on your show today. Great. I guess I should have started by saying Happy Cinco de Mayo. Is that a, pro- a proper way of uh, referring to Cinco de Mayo? Is it, is it a celebration in Mexico? Well, you have to say Feliz Dia Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> feliz, Feliz. My Spanish isn't very good, but I'll do my best. But uh, tell me the, yeah. the, the whole background behind Cinco de Mayo. Oh, my God. Cinco de Mayo is a really very important uh, date for the Mexicans for us here. And not only for the Mexicans, but for everyone around and close to the country. So uh, it, it represents the day that uh, Mexico really shows the strong against to the international uh, country. So Cinco de Mayo was the day was the Mexican really, really won uh, the, the, the Batalla de Puebla. We call Batalla de Puebla because it, it took place in, in the Puebla city. Uh, behind all these things, it was Mexican. Those times in the 18th century, Mexican was bankrupt and all money to the English, French, and then the Spaniards. So um, French uh, took advantage of the situation and uh, came to Mexico to take over the country with the objective to go into the United States and also take over the United States. So in that time, uh, Mexicans show a lot of power and um, win the, the, the batalla, and that, that's why it's a very, very important date, and it's not only celebrating Mexico, you know, celebrating in all the countries, especially in the United States, Canada, with the Mexican community. And they also call the Latin, uh, uh, Latin um, celebration, so it's the day that the Latin proud, so we Mexican really uh, show a lot of a lot of proud of, of whatever, whatever we have in the Latin America. So, what kind of celebrations are, are planned for the uh, Paradisos Los Cabos for uh, Cinco oh, de Mayo? Oh, we are ready, <laughs> and uh, we have a lot of fun. We have the piñata, we have the Mexican show, mariachis, our craft. Normally, we have uh, all the you know the our craft um, around the country. We come into the hotel, so we show. Um, all the the culture through the through the arts and um, and the, the a lot of food. Um, I mean the the, the 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 tourists and the guests enjoy it very much that day because they have a, the good good and real feeling of Mexico. And now, okay, so that's just one day. There's 364 other days that people get to stay at the Paradisos Los Cabos. So tell me, in general, uh, some things about the Paradisos Los Cabos, where you're located, and how many rooms, and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, Paradiso Los Cabos is a, is a boutique Paradiso Hotel. So we only have uh, 350 rooms, and uh, we have a, a great distribution. We have three uh, beautiful sections in the, in the hotel. We call the Royal Service, which is, we have 98 rooms, all buckler service. And then we have the Family Club um, on area, which is a uh, 55 room with uh, also a concert service dedicated for the family. So we have a 
uh, seven restaurants, including gastro restaurants. It's a three-star Michelin uh, restaurant with uh, Chef Martin Berasategui. Uh, the hotel is, is located in San Jose. It's in between uh, San Lucas and the uh, small town San Jose. Uh, the hotel is really, really uh, focused in the in the in the unique experience, especially for the art, um, gastronomic, and uh, culture. Uh, the guests is really, really enjoyed uh, the beauty of the destination, which is, has an amazing view. Um, and we are the only hotel in the in the corridor zone in, in, in San Jose who are really have a, a swimmable beach. So we have a blue, flat blue um, beach. Well, very nice. Uh, now, getting when you spread out into Los Cabos, uh, let's uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the celebration of uh, Cinco de Mayo throughout uh, Los Cabos, uh, not just in the Paradises, and also some of the activities you can do uh, in, in the area. Oh, this is basically we 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 started uh, to just. Um, Put it together, all the decoration, Mexican, a lot of Mexican flat around the the, the city and the hotels, uh, far back. So, so that is is really uh, gets everybody excited, and uh, the the festival, the food, the Mexican festival food, and uh, is 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 really taking place in 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 all the the hotels and also in in, in town. Mariachis and uh, and uh, and then piñatas, which is really um, uh, exciting thing. Well, it sounds like a fun celebration. Uh, when when you're not celebrating Cinco de Mayo, however, uh, what are some of the other activities your guests enjoy doing? Well, in, in the hotels and uh, in, the, in the hotel, we we do have a. Uh, uh, the entertainment of uh, for the guests uh, is 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 for for the whole family, so we have a, an entertainment for the for the family with the club, and we have the the sports and uh, in the around the the the, the beach, and um, we have um, entertainment, a uh, live entertainment uh, in the night. So we have a um, uh, music in the in the in the show. Um, everybody in the during the day we enjoy the the the, the sport and also the the healthy um, um, programs like a yoga pilates. We also have uh, the the uh, tournament for the for the all the guests in the beach. So basically, uh, we offered um, a lot of. Entertainment uh, during the day, uh, they enjoy the, the, the not only the hotels, also the the, the destination. So mm-hmm. going to the small town, which is called the Magico Pueblos, or, or around the 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 San Ca- the Sacabo San Lucas. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like there's lots of things to do there. Uh, this is an all-inclusive, right? People can uh, enjoy the amenities of an all-inclusive, right? Yes, we do have uh, that. Uh, I mean, it's all inclusive. So we have a 24-hour room service, the seven restaurants that uh, we have, uh, the the spa, which is not included, but uh, we have it, uh, um, a great spa, and also we have an excellent venue for weddings. So we have a, 
a great area, the location was in Paradiso location in, in, in San Jose. It's one of the best because of the view. So for weddings, it's the perfect perfect venue for not only for weddings, also for the uh, special occasion celebration. Well, your website describes the resort as a, lux- a luxury resort and a dream location. It does sound like a, a fabulous place to stay, especially to celebrate uh, Cinco de Mayo. So happy Cinco de Mayo, uh, Teresa. Teresa Alfonso is the general manager of the Paradisos Los Cabos. You can find more information about it on the uh, Melia website at melia.com. And uh, thank you, Teresa. Thank you very much, Randy, for having me. Thank you. Uh, Feliz Cinco de Mayo. Well, Tuscany, Italy is well known for its food and wine. If you've been, you already know that. And if you haven't been, one way to get an idea of what it's like is to read the article, A Culinary Walk Through Tuscany. It's written by food and travel writer Catherine Van Brunschot. And Catherine joins us now to share her experience. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Randy. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Was this your first time to Tuscany? It was, actually. Um, I had traveled a little bit in Italy um, as a teenager. I got to tag along on a little trip that my parents took there. But uh, we spent a couple days in Florence, but I really hadn't spent any time in the Tuscan countryside before. Nice. I have never been either, but I hear it's amazing, especially for the food. So what is it about that area of Tuscany and food that uh, kind of drew you there? Well... You know, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who say that you haven't really seen Italy unless you've been to Tuscany. Um, I mean, it has Florence as its capital city, which, which as everyone knows, is the heart of, of Renaissance art and mm-hmm. thought and, 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 quite frankly, money at the time. And, uh, and so we've had a tremendous influence over the history and culture of Italy as a whole, even right down to all the way to Rome. But outside Florence, which is what most people uh, mean when they talk about Tuscany, it's a whole other world out there. Florence is fascinating, can't miss kind of city, but it it's chock a block with as many tourists as it is um, sculptures and art. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tuscany is an area of just beautiful landscapes, um, country roads that are lined with cypresses and oak trees. There's vineyards tumbling down the hillsides. There's um, old stone poderas, which are the um, the farmhouses, farmsteads mm-hmm. that are being restored out there. And a lot of lovely hilltop villages that date to the Middle Ages, and they're just filled with cafes and shops. Nice. And um, if you're a fan of fresh local food, this is really a place to be uh-huh. um, because because the vegetables on your plate um, are probably grown just outside the door of where you're <laughs> sitting, and the meat um, has probably come from the farmer that's just down the road. Nice. Well, apart from the food, which we will expand about on in a few uh, <laughs> moments here, uh, what were some of the highlights of this particular tour? Like, where did you start? Did you start in Florence? Um, no, this this particular tour we met up with in um, in Siena. Um, we booked a tour with a company called um, Walkabout Italy, and it's it's a small Italian company run by a lovely man who grew up in um, and lives in Siena, uh, which is the primary town in in Tuscany, and um, it's a tour that offers. Um, 
daily walks mm-hmm. into the countryside. You know, nothing too too strenuous. Uh, it's hilly there, there, but uh, you know, three to four hours, easy pace. But out in the countryside, it included you know visits to winemakers, farmers, cheese producers, olive oil presses, and then also along the way we would uh, explore various historical sites that we came across. So that might be, you know, uh, Etruscan tombs or some hot springs that have been used since the time of the Romans, that sort of thing. Nice. Um, And over the course of the week, we were also based in three different hill towns in the area where we could explore some of the sites, some of it with our tour guides and some of it on our own because we always had some free time. Mm-hmm. And um, and with our accommodations um, all pre-booked for us by the tour and, uh, and luggage transport arranged for us too. So all we had to do was just stroll through the countryside. Nice. You just have to show up and eat, right? <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. But, but I guess, you know, the highlights of that week, it's hard to narrow them down. I guess... Um, we spent those first three nights in Siena where we met the group and that in itself is just a great place to lose yourself mm. um, in the in the winding medieval streets. I mean, they all seem to lead eventually down to the uh, to the central square. So you can't get completely lost there. Uh, the square is called Il Campo and it's got a big old clock tower and cafes uh, filled with people um, sipping their spritz cocktails and their wine um, the, the square is also the site of the Palio, which I don't know if you know is a bareback horse race. Okay. It's been running, it's been running twice a year um, for centuries. I think since the 12th century in uh, Siena, and it pits the 17 Contrada or the neighborhoods against one another in a really fierce rivalry that really persists year round. So it's a real <laughs> strong part of the culture, uh-huh. but it's. It's interesting to imagine, you know, 10 horses with their jockeys just careening around this square because it's really smaller than an average high school track. <laughs> um, it's not really round. It sits at a tilt, and it's filled with cheering spectators. Now, it's, it's, it's bedlam. It's chaos. The first horse across the line wins, even if its jockey has fallen off. <laughs> and, it, and there really has been several occasions when that's actually been the case. Oh, my gosh, so, eh? So Siena is a really interesting town in itself. Um, on another day, our walk took us to a winery in Chianti, and there our host was um, a man named Dario Castagno, who's mm-hmm. a real storyteller. He's an author, actually, who's had um, one of his books make the New York Times bestseller list. And he's, um, he's just very passionate about the local history there. So he led us through uh, some wine tastings, told us some great stories as we wandered around the property. And um, his final flourish, he's, he's a fairly dramatic guy, um, but his final flourish before we settled into lunch under the chestnut trees was um, to have us go through the, through the wine cellars, which are quite like a cave, and which he'd lit up with candlelight, and he was playing all this heart-rending Italian opera through it. It was quite quite dramatic. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how big was your group and was it a group of food and travel writers or were you the only one and, and you know, did you have to 
be disguised or you know, incognito? No, it was, or? Uh, you know, I, I rarely travel. I, I'm a freelance uh, food and travel writer, so I rarely travel on on assignment. Um, so this was really um, I, something I booked with my husband. It was a group of, um, I think there were about 18 of us. Uh-huh. I think this particular tour company maxes out their groups at 20, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so so yeah so there so there were about eighteen of us which was really nice when you're out um, walking through the countryside because it means that whether you're feeling really energetic that day um, or feeling more slow and lazy mm-hmm. um, you've always got someone who's who's moving along at the same pace as nice. you nice um, so that it's a, it's a good sized group for that so the, was there a particular food that absolutely wowed you. Uh... I imagine you being a food writer, you probably have seen a lot and tasted a lot. So, was there something that really uh, stood out? You know, there were there was great food and drink um, everywhere. Um, probably one of the biggest highlights for me was uh, the day that we had hiked through um, the vineyards and the fields and ended up at an agriturismo, which is. Um, a working farm um, that offers accommodation. It runs sort of like a bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. um, sometimes more than that. And this particular ag- agriturismo was run by a family named the Genosi family. Um, so here we had lunch that was made from only the things that were produced on the property. Mm. So that was things like cheeses and sausages and grains and vegetables and bread and home preserves. It just went on and on. Oh, my gosh, eh? Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing meal, so fresh because it I mean it was grown and produced right there, but it got even better because um the Gnosi's son who I we met a little bit earlier is a big quiet burly guy dressed in camouflage, kind of intimidating actually. <laughs> um as we were finishing uh, our meal, he comes out with this big shiny accordion and well it turns out he's something of a local legend on the accordion. <laughs> and he could he could play everything from folk songs to Italian opera and pretty soon he had us all up on our feet dancing. That's cool. Now his father, Signor Ganozzi, who had been sitting pretty much on the side sort of keeping an eye on things, when he saw us having as much fun as we were having, he decided in his very quiet way to get up in his sandals and show us what dancing was all about. And, I mean, pretty soon it was a full-blown kitchen party. Now, if someone was thinking about doing a tour to Tuscany, what would you say to them? Um, you know, there's, a, there's several different ways that you can um, approach Tuscany. You could base yourself in Florence. Mm-hmm. which is what most people do, and take day trips into the Tuscan countryside. Um, you could rent um, one of those restored farmsteads. You can rent them um, privately or through different booking services, or you can settle into an agriturismo, which is kind of nice if you mm-hmm. want to be right on the farm and close to the, close to the produce and the food. Um, or you can base yourself in one of the hill towns, um, in an apartment or a hotel there and then venture out from there. Um, or you can do like me and jump in with, you know, both feet. Um, <laughs> typically, if you're going to go out through Tuscany, you do need some of the larger towns you can get to 
um, by train. But um, you, to visit all the wonderful vineyards that are out there and to really explore around it, you probably need to drive or go with a, um, on a tour. Very good. The article is called The Culinary Walk Through Tuscany, written by Catherine Van Brunschot. You can find it on her website, katherinevanbrunschot.com. Uh, thanks for your insight, Catherine. It was great. Oh, I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.